Hey there, it's Jim Stengel, host of the CMO Podcast. We're all marketers here, so let's be real for a sec. We all know that your website shouldn't be a static asset. It should be a dynamic part of your strategy to build your brand and drive conversions. That's Marketing 101. But 54% of marketing leaders say web updates take too long. That's over half of you listening right now. And that's where Webflow comes in. Their visual-first platform allows you to build, launch, and optimize web pages fast. That means you can set ambitious marketing goals and your site can rise to that challenge. Learn why teams like Dropbox, IDEO, and Orange Theory all trust Webflow to achieve their most ambitious goals today at webflow.com. Hi, I'm Jim Stengel, and I help major brands find their purpose and activate it, and the profits follow. For seven years, I was the global marketing officer for Procter & Gamble, where I oversaw the marketing of hundreds of brands. You may not know it, but the CMOs, the chief marketing officers of all of your favorite brands, are trying to connect you with your favorite products and services through purpose. And on this show, I delve into how they do it. In this episode of the CMO Podcast, I am releasing a panel discussion I moderated titled, Innovators Who Made the Impossible Possible, that was hosted by Content Square, a 12-year-old, fast-growing company founded in France with seven offices globally. Content Square is an analytics platform that captures and analyzes every digital interaction on your website or app to tell you what content is working and what is falling flat. Joining me for the innovators who made the Impossible Possible panel are two inspiring young leaders, Alexi Lantarnier, the EVP of e-commerce for Walmart Canada, and Ektra Chopra, the Chief Digital Officer for Elf Cosmetics. This informative discussion is all about delighting your consumers online, and who doesn't want to do that, and how COVID-19 has accelerated online shopping for these two enterprises and industry at large. Without any further ado, here is my panel, innovators who made the impossible possible. Welcome, everyone. Uh, Thanks for joining us. Uh, Our session today is called Innovators Who Made the Impossible Possible. Uh, It's going to be, it's a great title. I'm Jim Stengel. Uh, I spent 25 years at Procter & Gamble. The last seven, I was the global marketing officer. I wear lots of hats today, but the one I love wearing is host of the CMO podcast. We have two wonderful, remarkable innovators today with us, and I'm going to introduce them quickly, and then we're going to jump into our discussion. So who do we have today? We have Alexi Lanternier, who's the Executive Vice President of e-commerce for Walmart Canada. He knows a little bit about e-commerce. He worked at BCG, Alibaba, Amazon, Walmart. Am I forgetting anyone, Alexi? I think we're good. I think we're good? Okay, super. Well, thanks for joining us. I have one question for you. Can you give us a word or phrase to describe you as a leader? Um, I think I would be, uh, maybe, uh, tough, but fair as, as, a, as a few employees give me as a feedback at the end of the year. Tough, but fair. That's a good leader. I was talking to the head of marketing at CVS health yesterday and I asked him that question. He said, high standards and kind, which I, was, I thought was kind of nice. So, nice. so, so Ekta, I want to bring you into the conversation. Ekta is the chief digital officer at Elf Cosmetics. Elf is a 16-year-old company. Ekta has worked for lots and lots of companies in the technology space, five years at Elf. 
So you've seen an incredible rise. Uh, her CEO is a friend of mine from P&G days. So Ecto, welcome to our conversation. A same question. How would you describe yourself in a word or phrase as a leader? Thank you for having me. Um, I would say the one word um, that everyone sort of describes me as um, I'm empathetic. Like I really love to sort of practice empathy and put myself in other people's shoes. Super. Now, you two actually are from companies that do business together. Walmart's a little bit bigger than Elf. So have you, <laughs> have you met each other before today? Uh, no, this is my first time. I'm so excited. Super. Same here, Ita. Well, I, I want to jump right into this topic because we have precious little time today and, and you have remarkable stories to share. The, the headline of this is making the impossible possible. And I think at Elf, you would say making the impossible Elfy possible, right? Don't you have a little funny <laughs> phrase like that? Elfing possible. Elfing That's possible. Right. Okay. <laughs> well, both of your companies have come through this pandemic growing the top line, continuing to innovate. Walmart's most recent quarter, I think you added almost $7 billion U.S. dollars to the top line, a lot of that through e-commerce. Elf, you've been named one of the top marketers of the year by AdAge. Your top line is growing. Your loyalty program is growing. You've introduced two new brands. So you've both been creative, agile, and growing during this, during this pandemic. So I'd like you to pick one story or one thing that you are particularly proud of this year from you and your team and your company of making the impossible possible in these very interesting times of 2020. So Alexi, why don't we start with you? Yeah, sure. I mean, it was obviously a very exciting year. I think the, if I get to the key topic that was the most impressive was uh, obviously the growth of the business in a very short amount of time. So in mid of March was the announcement of the, of the lockdown. Uh, so as a result, everybody wanted to get some uh, uh, online, you know, product, but it's in particular online grocery. A lot of people were very afraid to go to the store and the, the basic needs was, uh, you remember the, the, the toilet paper maybe, but beyond that, people were actually, you know, uh, needing to have their, their groceries filled. So we, we saw a huge surge in uh, online groceries uh, business which is actually cut off from all our stores. We have 400 stores across the country of Canada that is roughly covering eight, 90% of the population within 10 miles. And, and as a result, we, we grew, the demand grew basically 20x uh, and we managed to fulfill uh, 10x in, uh, after just two weeks. And it was pretty incredible because um, if you think about the FC, for example, the normal e-commerce business that is uh, you know, fulfilled by a fulfillment center, we couldn't have done more than 2x. Beyond that, it's just impossible. I mean, you have your words, you have your process, it's just not possible to do more. And, and the store were actually before the same. They were telling me, we can do you know that much, but beyond that, it's impossible. And what was really, really incredible is to see how the, the team rallied because you know it was a big, big purpose, right? You have, you have to, to fill the grocery basket of people that are fearing for their life and cannot go to the store. And as a result, the whole team rallied on, okay, how can we solve that? How can we push the wall? How can we invent to actually make uh, you know, the 10x demand possible and to fulfill all the demand in just uh, basically a two weeks period to, to ramp that up across 400 stores into the whole Canada. So that's probably the one thing I'm the, I'm the most proud of. And I'm not really proud of myself on that one, to be fair. It's really the, the team and the store that made it happen. 
So that that's kind of the the, the key highlight of the year, uh, among many others. I'm going to turn to Ecton in a minute for a similar question, but I have to ask you how. How did they pivot so quickly? What was the critical capability? You know, were they just working 24-7? Or what was it that enabled you to do that? What's the how behind this? I think that, I mean, that's the, the, the key question that we're asking ourselves every day. So uh, I think the, the key thing was the purpose. I think when you, when you give uh, you know, a team a real purpose beyond you know, the normal purpose of Walmart is you know, getting uh, you know, a better product at more affordable price, it's great. And we're doing that every, every day, but there was no, you know, one, it's, it's, it's been a while. So it's hard to kind of re-inject all the energy in the people. And here the purpose was immense. Just enabling, you know, all the people, people that fear for their life to be able to get their grocery. I mean, that can, you know, keep you very innovative and very efficient. That, that, that's one thing. Very hard to regenerate every month, but uh, very, very powerful. Now, the second thing that we learn more and we, we can replicate, actually, is to uh, what we call, and it's a buzzword, so I just, I'm still going to use it, being more agile. So being able every morning... So what we put in place is every morning, 30 minutes, share with me all the problem where we can help you remove barriers, make decisions quickly. And I think that's one thing that, you know, you're in a big company, it's running fine. A lot of barrier gets created and nobody notices them anymore. And, and you have decision process that are well thought through that enable us to make sure there is no mistake done that are slowing down all the processes. And we, we made all that explode. Uh, and, and telling people rethink everything, rechallenge every barrier you see, uh, and and take risk. Ask us if you're unclear, but we're gonna make decision on the spot. And uh, as a result, of course, you do a few mistakes, but uh, it was definitely worth it. Okay, Ekta, I want to bring you to this conversation with the same question: What are you most proud of in making the impossible elfing possible in 2020? <laughs> as I said in my intro, you've done so much this year. So can you tell me one or two things that you're especially proud of and how your team was able to do it? Yeah. Oh, wow. I, I, uh, your story was great, Alexi. And I think there's a similar themes, you know. Um, we have done so much this year. We're the number two favorite Gen Z brand, number seven top marketeer of the year in the company of McDonald's, TikTok, <laughs> and you name it. But what I will say, the mantra of the marketing team um, really has been being fearless, believing that nothing is impossible. So we went, the thing that I'm most proud of is that we went from a single brand to a house of brands during pandemic. And we acquired Well People, which is our clean beauty brand as well, uh, and, it, and integrated it with Elf uh, Beauty as quickly as possible, as well as we launched a brand with Alicia Keys which is unthinkable <laughs> that you could do that in nine months. So I'm so proud of our team. And it is because everyone lives this mantra that Tarang has taught us, I would say. I know you know him, um, which is one team, one dream. We fail and we win together. And that's been how we've been able to do it. Um, really gather a team of leaders that really take their work very passionately and actually are not... They, they focus on that nothing is impossible. <laughs> now, Ekta, Alexi talked about their purpose as being such a critical how and how their team did this. How, how would you answer that question? How, how, how important was your purpose? What was your how to do all this amazing work in, in very difficult times? 
I would say that the how has been, it's, um, you know, really from the very top, the tone has been uh, that we do take risks. We move at elf speed. We call it elf speed because I've never seen a company move this quickly. We cut the red tape. And Alexi talked about making decisions on the spot. We make decisions on the spot. And yes, they're not always perfect, but we're not scared to fail. And I think that's been one of the things that we ingrain in our leaders, that it's okay. It doesn't have to be perfect. But as long as we can continue to see the results and we move forward, perfection is a a mirage. (laughs) It's a facade. It's never going to be there. So you, you just have to focus on making progress and we continue to do that. So I would say that's the culture that we've built and that's what we live in. We've all been there. You spend millions of dollars each year driving traffic to your company's website And then the results come in and they're just not what you hoped. On top of that, 81% of marketing leaders say website ownership is a challenge. So what do you do? Well, you switch to Webflow. Let me tell you why. Webflow's visual-first platform empowers your team to own your company's most valuable dynamic marketing asset, your website. From launching a new site to optimizing for SEO and conversions, Webflow gives you the tools you need to drive business growth fast. Unlock your website's full potential when you build, manage, and host with Webflow. Get started today at webflow.com. You two have an amazing experience in platforms, e-commerce. I want you to speak. You know, the theme of this overall meeting is digital happiness, the return on experience. So I would like you to share with our listeners, what's that mean to you? What is digital happiness? <laughs> How, what does that mean? How do you bring that to life? You know, are there companies you admire or things you've done that you admire? So well, how do you know it when you see it, this feeling of digital happiness? I mean, I kind of know when I experience it, but could you take that apart a bit? So Ekta, let's start with you. And then I want, I want to bring Alexi into the same question. Yeah. Well, number one thing, I I do think that we create digital happiness at ELF. And I think it's because we don't lose the fun. We we don't lose the fun that comes with, you know, our, our industry, which is makeup. And so we listen to our consumers. We, I mean... I cannot tell you that our CMO, the, the number of times she scrolls through the comments and she's probably read every single comment on our posts. Um, we treat people like they're not data points, they're humans. We focus on creating content that's engaging and keeps, you know, their needs, wants and desires in, in mind. Um, and we just don't, you know, it, it's not about just being cool and buzzy. We're also looking at how we can help our consumers either learn something new, talk about the ingredients, why are they important for them, or even launching like augmented reality where during COVID, right, where people were actually able to try on makeup in the digital world. So I think digital happiness is about not losing that at the end of the day, it's not a consumer is not a data point. They're actually a human and they're just looking to maybe come to your brand to find a little bit of happiness in what they're mm-hmm. doing and what they're buying. <laughs> so besides what you do at Elf, is there another company that you admire in the space? Uh, yeah, I would say, you know, I really like Stitch Fix. Um, I do think that they are such an amazing company that takes the consumer needs, wants and desires. Um, and they've created a brand that I'm, I'm, I'm personally very inspired by. Yeah. Alexi, your thoughts on digital happiness? 
Yeah, it's a very interesting question. So I, I um, actually going to answer it a bit differently because for me, and because I, I've been a long time in e-commerce now, a bit more than 10 years, it's e-commerce first objective, and I don't think it's fully solved today, is to remove the unhappiness of the e-commerce. And I think that, that goes first uh, before before creating happiness. And I'm not sure happiness has been created in e-commerce too much yet, at least in uh, in this part of the of the globe. Um, so just what I mean by that is I think it's very easy to get someone to do the first purchase. But what matters for the person, but also for the sustainability of the platform that we're building, uh, is to make sure that the customer is really happy about it and, and it will come back again. And that's our number one metric is what we call the retention rate. Are they coming back to our platform? Or are they just doing the one thing? They discover that they're not happy with it and they don't come back. And, and why is it so complex? I think it's first because it's not something that you see. So you see the purchase, the whole thing is very nice. And then what happened behind the scene usually is not done by you. It's also 3PL, it's often 3PLs. Then you have customer service that are sometimes, you know, outsourced. And a lot of things fall through a crack. And, and that's something that, you know, that why Amazon was successful so fast versus all the other at the time is because of this relentless focus on getting the customer experience post-purchase right. So I think that's the, for me, the number one thing about happiness is to remove all unhappiness and that the, the delivery is on time. Uh, as we said, uh, you can return easily if you want. And if you have a problem, you can find the solution easily. And payment, refund, all that goes very fast and smooth. It, it seems so basic today to talk about that and, and not very sexy in a sense, but mm -hmm. uh, I still believe for most e-commerce player, it's still the most important thing to, to nail down. And then talking about happiness, I so I spent the last five years, uh, sorry, not last five years, but uh, from 2014 to 2019 in, in Asia, uh, my company was actually acquired by Alibaba. And it's uh, Alibaba is a company that I admire a lot uh, around how to build, uh, you know, I don't know if it's happiness, but at least fun and engagement on their platform. And, and they really managed to now merge, uh, you know, the, the TikTok engagement that we can see here or the Facebook, Instagram engagement with uh, the, the fact of buying an item. And, and it's still something that we struggle to do in the West. Uh, well, actually, I think it makes a lot of sense and, and create a lot of fun. But it's something that either because Amazon didn't start like this, either because people are different, uh, it's still not a very clear case. And, and I still find overall the e-commerce uh, space uh, in America and Europe not where it should be. And I don't think we, we're at the end of the journey on, on creating happiness uh, on our platforms. Yeah, beautifully said. Now, I, I want you to, uh, this has been a year working differently. You both referred to that with your teams uh, so far. I'd like you to talk each one of you about yourselves. You know, what's one non-obvious challenge you faced this year as a leader and what did you do to overcome it? So, Ekta, I'm going to bounce to you and I'm going to both warn you. I'm going to <laughs> ask each one of you if you have a question for each other. So that's coming up. Too. <laughs> But Ekta, what's, okay. you know, yeah. obviously we, we're working from home and there's all of that, it's all the obvious stuff. What's a non-obvious mm -hmm. thing that's been a challenge for you as a leader and how have you dealt with it? 
Yeah, I would say, you know, the whole world right now is facing a challenge, so I'm not in it alone. Um, But I would say the biggest one right now is we've at ELF made a conscious decision to move towards digital, like almost two years ago, and really invest in getting that right. And I think our results show we have done a tremendous job there. Um, I think the challenge ahead of us and and something that we're going to start facing is that now everybody is starting to catch up to things that we were investing in, doing, testing and learning. So how do we sharpen our swords even further to continuously innovating and pushing those boundaries? And I think that's a muscle that we have to continuously build in our teams, um, not you know, and, and something that is going to start becoming a little bit more challenging because what used to be just a fun thing to have and, you know, is now actually a stable table stakes. Um, so how do you sort of push those boundaries, look for those new opportunities and, and not look, you know, sort of um, just the day to day mundane and forget your innovation and uh, that innovation is going to be important. Yeah. Are you finding it uh, harder, easier, the same to innovate now with your team because we're, we're say, not together? Yeah, no, I think for us, it's been actually very easy. I mean, in week one, we were all working from home. As I said, during pandemic, we've launched two new brands. Um, so I, I feel like our teams just adapted so quickly because my whole team, the digital team is 80% remote anyways. So for us, it was always a muscle that we had working remotely and not being in the office physically. Now, I love that personally. So it's been tough on me personally, not being able to go to the office. But other than that, our teams have adopted really, really well. Yeah. Alexi, one non-obvious challenge for you as a leader this year and how you how you overcame it or didn't. Yeah, well, I don't know if that's going to answer exactly your question because it's a bit of a personal answer, but uh, I, I, I am uh, the very happy father of four uh, young kids, oh uh, between my. four and 11. Uh, and we had a period of two months where um, they were uh, at home with us. Uh, we had no help was allowed to come into the house to entertain them or to help us with the food and so on. So... Uh, and my wife is a teacher as well, so she she was doing a course online for for her kids um, for a class. So it was a very challenging time because at the same time it was probably one of the time of my career that was the most intense from a work perspective. And again, talking about purpose, I really you know I, deep down in me I really wanted to make it right. So this kind of balancing all those urge to do the right thing uh, in a in a in a day that is uh, you know a set number of hours was probably one of the biggest challenge uh, of the year and probably of my, of my career so far. So having kids four to 11 at home, what did you learn about digital happiness from their perspective over the last few months? Well, I think the fundamental truth is that for social engagement, Zoom doesn't work. I think that's, <laughs> that's the one mm. thing that to connect with people, I, I think to be efficient, as Hector, you said, I mean, we are working very efficiently remotely. I don't see any issue with that, but creating social connection and, you know, kids uh, starting five to, you know, then probably never stop, but, you know, they have to create bonds uh, and to engage socially with others and, and, and Zoom, I mean, remote doesn't work for that. And it's very frustrating for everybody. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I have a six-year-old, so totally, totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> 
And you have some of the art behind you, right, that your six-year-old has created. Yeah, that's one thing. If I could think of a silver lining um, that COVID had for me was I deeply connected with my daughter in ways that I never did before, um, even though she was home. And she's an amazing artist. I never knew that. And she is, you know, so I'm just in just awe of that. So I want you to ask you you you, wor- you work together your two companies right? Elf is sold in Walmart. Uh, I'd like you to think about: Is there a question you had for each other in this this topic of doing making the impossible possible, uh, digital happiness, delivering that? Do you have a a question you'd be curious for each other? Ekta, I'll let you start. Wow, so many questions. <laughs> so you know, Walmart is. When you think of Walmart, it's so big, and um, and it could be overwhelming. And you always hear that big companies are not nimble. So where did you start, and how do you like come into a big organization like that, and and start that nimbleness? Like, how did you do that? Uh, I think it was a journey. Uh, it was a journey, uh, definitely. No, I, I think again the the, the events, uh, although very sad, I, I think uh, drove uh, most of the energy because it's something that I actually we were trying to do uh, for a while, and it was an accelerator not only of the business, but I think of the mindset and the way people behave. And and what was very important is to keep all the good learning to show to people how happier they were to have achieved so much in so, uh, sh- such a short time and, and, and what we should continue to do uh, and, and, and to take the learning right after. So starting in June, we basically sat down saying, I mean, a lot of things happened. What can we continue? And I think we all agreed on, you know, being able to, to make decisions faster, having less line, le- less committee, less complex presentation to do. Uh, and so one thing we, for example, decided was to remove PowerPoint during uh, presentation uh, that are uh, decision component and trying to have only uh, pre-read and then uh, maybe Excels and data reports, but to remove PowerPoint, to remove the time that people spend on, you know, crafting perfect slides that are reviewing too many times and focus more on, uh, on words and content. Uh, so that's just one example. But we try to basically take the learning because during the, 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 the COVID period, I mean, the, the peak, we're still in the COVID period, but during the peak, we just discovered there was no time to make PowerPoint to make decisions. So we just did that without PowerPoint. And we say, okay, that was not that bad. And so that's the, just an example. We try to kind of take the learning that were replicable and, uh, and uh, apply them on an ongoing basis. That's great. Plus, I would say, you know, in this world we're living in, I don't think Zoom works well for PowerPoint either. It's better to talk to a face a person have a discussion about a choice we have to make what's the data behind it you know what what are we all thinking and let's move forward so it will be interesting to see even when we come out of this how many of those habits stick yeah so alexi what would you like to ask our fast-growing brand elf with ecta here representing her team i would love to to hear your vision on how can we make e-commerce more fun I, i can see on your website that you probably do a better job than than we do and I would love to see, like, what, what do you see coming that could make uh, e-commerce more engaging, more fun, and even maybe make it creating happiness? Yeah. Um, 
I would say live shopping. Live shopping is an arena that we're dabbling into, creating ways to bring this um, actual, you know, sort of uh, engagement with your consumer um, and do integrate that with commerce somehow is something that's very exciting to us. We've been doing some testing and learning, and it's an arena that I feel like is going to be where you can directly talk to your consumer, show them how to do something. So I do think live shopping is an exciting arena that, um, and, and it's big in Europe and, and, you know, Asian countries. So I think it's time it came to U.S. as well. <laughs> what would you say is the key to success for today's CMO? If you said data, you wouldn't be the only one. At Deloitte, however, we believe data is only half of the equation. The other half, story. Because data is the language of business, but story is the language of humans. And we believe the most successful CMOs know how to harness the power of both data and story. To learn more about Deloitte's CMO program and how we can help today's CMOs succeed, visit cmo.deloitte.com. I want to ask you to um, to talk about what are the things that are happening this year that you are codifying and building into how you work. What are you going to carry forward in terms of habits, practices, and rituals as we come out of this pandemic? Hopefully, this year. Yeah, I, th- I think a lot. I think we all learned a lot. Uh, the one example I would like to. To share, maybe not something that everybody agrees with, but we, we, we used to have a, a team that was partially remote. So part of the team was in the office, a part of the team, especially the engineer, tech engineer, and product manager were not there. So a lot of meetings actually were hybrid. So hybrid in the room, hybrid on Zoom. And I actually find that those Zoom meetings are actually way more efficient. So first, everybody's on time. Second, we don't spend five minutes putting in place the video conferences system of the room that never works. We still have some glitch, like we just had with ECTA, but you know, it's more rare. <laughs> but more importantly, I think it puts everybody on the level playing field. Everybody, wherever he is, exactly understand the same thing. There is no like this kind of chit chat within the room that is hard to hear when you're um, on Zoom. And also I find the, the way people interact much, much more respectful. So we actually, uh, have people that are able to speak their mind, not being interrupted. And there is this way to interrupt without interrupting, which is to share comment in the chat mm-hmm. uh, that I find is a great way to have actually a very productive discussion for with groups that are more than 10, whereas everybody can express their mind and, and exchange their opinions, uh, while still having the main presenter or everybody who speaks to be able to to give his thoughts from, from beginning to the end. So I actually find something very, very uh, interesting here. And I, I, I'm still wondering how I'm going to manage to keep that afterwards. But I, I'm, I'm thinking about something like there is no, you know, meeting more than eight are in Zoom and we don't take meeting room for, for meeting. We only keep meeting room for brainstorming or stuff like that. So still trying to figure it out, but I think there is something here that I really, really want to, to keep. Yeah, very good. Hector, I want to ask you the same question. What's something that you're codifying that you're going to take forward, a habit, a practice, a ritual, a routine as we go into next year? Yeah, great question. And Alexa, like, I couldn't agree with you more on the Zoom thing. Um, but I would say one of the things, you know, there's people who meet on a regular basis, like the leaders and the strategy meetings and people who are working on product. But then there's the behind the scenes people that really don't get to engage as much. So my developers 
when we started doing like weekly, you know, wine and chats or or had town hall meetings, they felt so much more engaged. And the answer was like, I, I, during pandemic, they got to learn more about the teams than they ever did before. So I think that's something that I want to continue doing is like, how do I engage those people that are behind the scenes that actually want to learn about the business and, and are excited to do that. And the pandemic really allowed them to do it. So, yeah. So I want to kind of wrap up our discussion with going to each one of you and sharing maybe one piece of advice if you had to distill everything to the people listening from all of your great experience at your two wonderful companies. You know, if, if you were sitting, if you had to boil it down to one piece of advice for 2021 for our listeners to innovate, create digital happiness, motivate your teams, what would that be? Alexi, and then Ekta. Yeah, sure. I think it's a very, very good question uh, that we are, I'm asking myself every day. I think one thing that um, we tend to forget, I think we should keep in mind, is the importance of focus. Um, we, we have been um, on a journey to refocus our, our, you know, our priorities, where we want to win, where we want to be really exceptional for the customer, not trying to be everything for everyone, but really one thing very clear. Uh, I think this period of 2020 has actually refocused everybody on what is the most urgent, important thing I need to solve. And, and after that, there is a tendency in some company that did well, uh, typically Walmart, uh, to say, okay, now I'm, we did so well, everything is possible. And I think it's a typical time where we need to keep in mind and, and stay humble and say, okay, we, we did well because we focused. Uh, we need to continue to focus on making sure there is one thing we are doing exceptionally well uh, and not trying to be everything for everyone. Very nice. I'm hearing that from a lot of people, by the way. That's a big learning of this year. Ekta, how about yourself? One piece of advice. Um, don't worry about making anything perfect because it's about testing and learning cutting the red tape and figuring out a way that you can shorten, you know, things, how quickly you can do them. So remove the friction within your internal processes so you can actually continue to move the needle without making it perfect. So I think perfection is, a, as I said, a mirage, a facade, and people need to kind of put that to the side. And I think digital is all about testing and learning. So continue to just get rid of, you know, this idea of perfection. <laughs> It's great advice, and I would just want to put a pin in this conversation to say both of your companies, Walmart in Canada and globally, and Elf, have just do an amazing job, I think, on diversity, inclusion, doing the right thing for their employees, yeah. their customers, society at large. It's been really, really great to watch your two companies over the last year. So well done, and keep setting a great example. Thank you, Content Square, for sponsoring this wonderful discussion. I've had a great time. <laughs> Thanks to both of you, your inspiring leaders. You know, I wish you all the best for 2021 for you and your teams. And, and for all of our listeners and participants, uh, great to be with you. Ekta, Alexi, thank you again. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Jim. <laughs> Very nice to meet you, Alexi. Take all care. the best. <laughs> Very nice Bye. to meet you, both of you. That was my panel discussion with Alexi and Ekta. My first takeaway from this one was how inspiring these two young leaders are, how they approach their job with creativity, enthusiasm, intelligence, so many insights into how to meet your consumers online, how to delight them. The theme of this conference was happiness online, their perspective on how to rise up to the challenges of our world today, 
were really terrific. That's it for this episode of the CMO Podcast. If you found this helpful and entertaining, I would be so grateful if you could share our show with your friends. And I would be super happy if you subscribed so you can be updated as we publish new episodes. And if you really want to help, leave us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. The CMO Podcast is a Gallery Media Group original production.